This is Linux Unplugged, episode 41, for May 20th, 2014. Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that's digging through all of the quote-unquote big data. My name is Chris. My name is Matt. Hey, Matt. So uh, this week, by big data, I mean we've got some uh, results from the survey that we did last week in the Linux Unplugged show. We asked folks to chime in with their home server setups. And I had nice. some like, I had some basic, like, do you have this installed? Do you have this installed? Right. And then I left like these fields for like, leave some notes. And that's where there's some really interesting stuff. Uh, but I think some of the other things that stood out for me is the cloud versus home installation bias. We'll talk more about that. And then also um, just the massive amount of people that listed Arch as their home server distribution. Interesting. Which, which is funny. because I'm not surprised. But we just did an episode on that, right? Yeah, we did. And I, I thought maybe I was going out on a limb, but turns out I'm behind the, I'm behind the trend. <laughs> and we've also got the uh, survey from uh, R Linux, the uh, Linux subreddit. They do like an annual survey, and uh, they got a brand new one that just came out. It's actually it's getting to the size now where I think it's worth talking about. They had over ten thousand respondents uh, from all different walks of life on the Linux subreddit. So we'll cover some of the results from that coming up in today's episode. But first, I wanted to tease a couple of things. Just a, let's just you know what, like just a hint bomb. I'm going to drop. I haven't showed you this to you, Max. I wanted to surprise you on the show. I don't know if you have the video stream up, but just a little hint. I do. I we do. have a little hint now on the video stream of where things are going with How To Linux. There is uh, Chase, Eric, and I uh, down in downtown Seattle on the beautiful Cary, at the beautiful Cary Park, which is like the most picturesque version of Seattle you have oh, ever seen. It's gorgeous. So I won't say what we were doing, but there might have been some shenanigans happening yesterday. Some scenery, some selfies, you know. Yeah, just some weird, you know, we were we were we kind of making asses of ourselves, to be honest with you, because it's a pretty busy park, because it's so <laughs> iconic, you know, it's so, like, right. it's so, like, classic Seattle. Yeah. And there we were, kind of goofing around, and uh, so cool. <laughs> people were actually, to be, true, to be truthful about it, very patient with us, uh, because they, they, for the most part, I mean, every now and then there was, like, some dog shenanigans going on and things like that, and some dog fights, uh, and... and we sometimes like the reflector would fly away and <laughs> go towards a crowd of people. <laughs> or like just goes that. off that whole ledge you got there. Like, yeah, <laughs> that too. That was a possibility too. So, but it was fun. And gosh, it was a gorgeous day yesterday. It's a gorgeous day here today as well. But uh, that's uh, so. Yeah, boy, I just tell you what, man. That was that was some nice shooting. But that's not actually all. This morning, I wanted to talk about before we get rolling. I also have. See if you can guess. See, I'll try to do it before you see the video version on the stream. See if you can guess what I have in my hot little hands. By this audio tone. Can you guess what I have in my hands? Something with Dell. Um, no, that's the Intel sound, man. Not no, Dell, I mean Intel. That's not it. It's the yep. Pentium sound. Yeah, yeah, the, um, yeah. It's, I, I got the, uh, we the just got it in studio today, this morning, the Intel NUC D54250WYKH. Rolls right off the tongue. Rolls that's right a off. gorgeous piece of hardware. Yeah, this, so this is the... I wish I had my box to join you. This is the fatter NUC. This this is a big fat one. Um, it's uh, and the reason for that is it can take a standard uh, size SSD, uh, you know, a two and a half inch SSD instead of that PCI little card that you have to use. So and it's not that much bigger to be honest with you. But now it looks reasonable. Yeah. So we're gonna have a little. This is gonna be a little dedicated Skype machine, so we can do some uh, fancier Skype stuff here in JB One. And you know, we were really kind of like, okay, how do we want to do this? What is the best way to accomplish what we want to do? And the, at the end of it, it was like, because we already had the SSD on, on site, it, it really meant all in for a Core i5 rig with, I think it's, uh, let me see, how much RAM do we get? Uh, I think we get 8 gigs or 16 gigs. I can't remember. Oh, 8 gigs, shoot. I think. Um, That's ample. It's like More than better. It was like 400 bucks from Amazon. Yeah. 460 yeah. or something like that total. Um, and it's going to make, you know, it's just perfect for Skype. It's, it's small. Uh, Rikai calls it the glue of the studio because now we've got, this is our second one, and I, I, I believe it. These little, it's just so much little, it's so much power in a little compact machine. And Linux is such a slam dunk on the NUC. It's just really easy because it's all Intel parts. How much do they cost? Well, that one, that one is, uh, 
400. Yeah, like all all said after we bought the Ram and everything was like 460 or 480 something like that. But that's that sounds pretty good. It's yeah. an i5, right? Yeah, that's an i5. Laptop i5. With uh yeah, mm-hmm. but it has like the virtualization stuff. No, it has all stuff. the stuff. Yeah. It's just a really low undervolted underclock yeah, processor. I mean, so you get really low TDP, yeah. you just don't get the most performance like you would if you went with a desktop i3. You you know, it's You would get oh, the same feature right. set, just a little bit less performance. But But it can turbo up there sometimes if yeah. it's not overheating. Yeah, the one we've got now in in production is usually around uh, you know, 1.8 gigahertz for each yeah. core. Nice. Which for doing for doing HD Skype is more than enough. It's really more than enough. So it's 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 great. Or you know, mumble or whatever. That's going to be essentially like another uh, call in box. So that way we can take multiple Skype video calls and things like that. Essentially, like the communication hub. Yeah, and so uh, having something that is low profile, quiet like that, and so eventually the other nice thing is we can essentially add more. I'm just we'll just get a little shelf and put them on there, and they have HDMI directly out that goes into the capture machine. Um, they have one audio out port, and then we use one of the USB ports to add a USB sound card, which we would do anyways. So they're pretty nice little machines. So, uh, the one that I'm showing the picture on the live stream is a NUC2, and this is an ArchBox running GNOME 3.12. And it's just, it's it's great. It's It sometimes needs restarted. I've noticed that. Sometimes these NUCs need to be rebooted. I don't know what's up with that. I don't know if it's the Intel driver or what. Have you it's updated like the firmware? firmware chipset? I don't know. I don't think so. Oh, because I, they don't, be or at least mine never came with updated firmware. So when yeah. I got it, I updated them, and it seems to be better after I've updated it. Okay, might have. You know, the thing what we've noticed is um, the HDMI audio out after like about twenty four, forty eight hours starts to get crackly. Oh, see, I don't use the audio at all in mine, so I wouldn't know. So maybe that's why I haven't noticed. Oh, Rikai says he did update the firmware. Yeah. Well, what's cool about it is so 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 they have an audio out jack. Plus, then we have the USB sound card. So that we can like, you know, so we have, the, so audio comes in over USB or goes out depending on the setup. And then we also have an audio out over HDMI. And because it's the Intel Iris graphics, the driver works f- pretty much flawlessly. So a- after your base install of even, you know, and it makes an Arch setup super simple. After your base, in- base install, you've got working HDMI mirroring uh, with audio signal. So for us, that means one wire to the capture machine. And we can get the desktop picture and the sound from the machine without having to run any other wires, which leaves those other audio interfaces available for other things. And so it's it, it, it's it's a great combination. I'm, I really am impressed with these boxes, and I think I, I wonder why Intel is the only one selling these because it seems like people could be relabeling these. Maybe people are. Oh, I think like Gigabyte does. So oh, anyway, I think so yeah. Gigabyte uses a more powerful chip in the bricks. Yeah, well, and then you have that company that makes the orange box. They also do a whole oh, yeah, that, those line guys. of Nick things. Yeah, those guys. I forget what they're called. No, I'm Apparently not. Apparently, they have an i3 version that's only 299 or 289. Yes, yeah, they do. Yeah, I, I went with the higher processor just so that way we'd have a little more flexibility what we use it for. Right. Because a lot of times, I'm just thinking for me, I maybe just get the cheap one. Yeah, you know, it'd be great for like a visuals machine oh, yeah. for BSD now because it's it's super small and it's just out of the way. And uh, I went with the i5 because here in the studio, I have found that every piece of gear ends up getting used for all kinds of different stuff that you would never expect it. And and so I try to just sort of hedge my bets when I'm buying studio equipment, and I err on the side of more power, so that way when it ends up doing something I never planned for, it's capable for doing the job. But if you were like, this is always going to be email, web, you know, it's 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 always going to do like maybe one VM, something like that. You could go lower power, I think. Oh yeah, and I then, can think of so many uses for those boxes. Yeah, so many. Yeah, I think oh, yeah, calling totally. them the glue is a good description. And and you know, I've seen some pushback on our coverage of the Ubuntu Orange Box. People are like, this is like, there's a thread right now in the subreddit. It's like, what's the actual use case for something like this? And I, I think people undersell the NUC, and I think, uh, I, I think it's, I think that's why. I maybe it's because I've had so many good experiences with the NUC now. I, I started off feeling like it was a finicky device, and I still think there's some. I think it still has some esoteric rough edges, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it's, I think it's going to revolutionize some production stuff. It serves well, side this kind of stuff. What? Want to know my opinion all, uh, on the NUC? The NUC is a great workstation. It could be a great media center, but at the end of the day, it's not going to make a good data center. You could actually That's have exactly a it. whole portable data center with that Ubuntu Orange Box. Yeah. That's just what I'm seeing. Yeah. I, I mean, there yeah, are so many data companies center, that could use that. Yeah, exactly. For a data exactly. center, there's something like the. The Supermicro um, iCloud is like three U's and fits ten i3s. It's probably more practical. Yeah, well, Alan, what, I, what I'm talking about is basically people who want to build their own data center and don't have that much space. So right, that's... well, three U's is enough 
there's only like three pizza boxes. Well, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. true. But, yeah. You know, heavy boxes are a lot harder to carry around, whereas yeah. the orange box well, yes. has those carry handles and stuff, so it's super portable in that right. case. Yes. Stay yeah, you could take one of those, those half use sleds and put yeah. one in a case like the Nakaya's, but, or sorry, the orange box rather is, right. but. Well, there were a bunch of places I used to do this with Mac Minis. I was just going to so say that. <laughs> do that. I was just going to say the Mac Mini, they're still around. It's MacMiniColo.net. Yeah. Well, I still have they haven't PC made the Mac money Mini back somewhere. yet. Here you go, Matt. You send them a PowerPC Mac Mini, and you could run. about uh, those things. The power on those, I mean, like, because they, they're really, they, they weren't powerful, but they were real consistent. I don't know how to describe that better. They just, the power, something about the PowerPC chip. Oh, the PowerPC chip was solid, yeah. I thought that yeah. was a great machine. I agree. And I couldn't bring myself to throw it away, so. Yeah, yeah. Damn, why am I looking at buying a Nuck right now? I'm supposed to be having dinner. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Well, here, let me tell you, yeah. I'll tell you about something else you should consider buying, because it's mobile that makes sense, and that's our first sponsor this week. That is Ting. Head over to linux.ting.com. Shout it proud, my my friends, linux.ting.com, that tells them that you appreciate them supporting the Linux Unplugged podcast and that you're willing to take a couple of minutes and check out their service as a thank you for keeping us on the air. But here's why you'd want to go there. Once you're there, you'll, you'll be amazed at Ting because it's no contract mobile and you only pay for what you use. It's a flat $6 per month and then it's just taxes and your usage on top of that. So like in my case, I have two phones on my Ting account. And I end up paying a very, very low rate because both myself and Rikai, who's the other person on my account, are very smart about our data usage. We're primarily Wi-Fi users because we're pretty much either here at the studio or somewhere else that has Wi-Fi. And then, you know, of course, when I'm driving, I'm careful with that. That makes my monthly bill with two phones generally, unless we have a big day where we have to tether or something like that for, you know, several days in a row when Comcast is totally biting the dust. It'll that Because that'll go up a little bit. But even in that scenario... It was like $44 for two smartphones. That's for a Nexus 5 and an HTC One, and that's with everything. Picture, picture messaging, hotspot tethering included with that plan. It's just, it's just your usage. They, bail, they bill on the usage, not on the gimmick, and that's what makes Ting stand out. So go to linux.ting.com because that's going to take $25 off your first device. And they've got a whole new slew of devices, including the beautiful HTC One M8 that is unquestionably one of the best Android phones on the market. Now, one of the big improvements they made over the HTC One is considerable battery improvements, which I think is awesome. And a little sleeker design, of course, and a few other things. They've got the Samsung Galaxy S5 as well. They have new mid-range and entry-level phones. And I was taking a look at the uh, Moto X on Ting. Check this out. You buy this Moto X, if you go to linux.ting.com, it's going to cost you $356. That's an unlocked phone that you own, that you're only paying for the usage. You're not in a contract. It's $356. That's not the cost where they're spreading it out over a two-year contract without, and gouge you. That's You pay it, and you're done. And then it's just what you use after that. For a Motorola X, and some folks say this is one of the best Android phones ever made. That's unbelievable. So go over to linux.ting.com and check out what they've got to offer and try out their savings calculator. Put your current bill in there and then check out the difference. And tell me you couldn't go get yourself a new computer every couple of years on that money you'd save. It was unbelievable for me. linux.ting.com and a really big thank you to Ting for sponsoring Linux Unplugged. Getting us into our 40s, Matt. It's good stuff. So crazy. All right. It's hard to believe we're in the 40s already. I mean, it's like... Where'd that go? <laughs> I know, right? That really did go fast. Uh, so I'm just reposting in the chat room right now a, a Google Doc. That, oh, hi. That's the problem. Oh, you're the problem. You are the Unfortunately, Samsung can be. Oh. Hi. Yes. Sorry, we were discussing yesterday. Side conversation. <laughs> well, we're, ba- <laughs> we're back. I'll let you finish it up in the uh, post show. Sorry, yeah, I just jumped right back in. Uh, okay. I just posted in the uh, chat room if you guys want to take a look at it, too. The uh, survey results, the Google spreadsheet results from the home server survey that we did last episode. And uh, uh, rotten... seems like everybody has a home server. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so rotten. Did, I don't. What What jumped out at you initially when you looked at the results? Uh, the majority of people using the home for their home server is uh, heavily in backups and media for like uh, mm-hmm. file storage, uh, like media servers and stuff like that. But uh, also. Uh, it's a lot of hate against using cloud services. Yeah, it was sort of... Well, I mean, go ahead. That's pretty easy to explain. Uh, the average user has, like, what, a megabit of upload, maybe? Yeah. Even <laughs> even high-end people like me only have five megabits of upload. Yeah. Well, try, try to upload a couple of terabytes that way. Well, uh, I, there's, there's other uses in just in file storage and backup. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, right. so but also, I, you know, I like knowing where my stuff is. And I, this was a home server survey, but that jumped out at me too, Rotten. When I was looking through this, essentially, like out of a, out of a, how many did we get? A hundred and uh, what was it? Fifty-five, uh, I think. One hundred fifty-five res, yeah. uh, respondents. One hundred fifty-eight respondents. Like two of them are using like a, a, a host somewhere to be their home server and like VPNing into it. And in like both cases. Like it's because of BitTorrent sync and maybe like Plex or maybe, maybe more than two, but it's like almost just two. Uh, and in in all cases where they're using cloud hosting, it's for BitTorrent sync and in some cases Plex. And I, I was I was I was surprised it was that strong of a difference because it's that it was a huge standout. Uh, what about you, Ick? What stuck what stood out to you when you were looking at the results? You know, actually, I I see a lot of Plex when I look at these results. Yes, a so lot of Plex, here. a lot of media serving. Yeah, uh, couch potato. Uh, some other stuff that I've never even heard of, like Sick Beard. Oh yeah, well we covered Sick Beard recently, but that does seem to be really popular. Um, oh yeah, which is good. It's good. And it's NZB, which kind of goes along with Sick Beard. Sick Beard. And, and I didn't participate in the survey, but a lot of these people and I are in perfect sync, like uh, <laughs> uh, with uh, BitTorrent Sync. You know, I use that all the time. Yeah. And Plex. Yeah. And uh, network backup. I, so, I, a few folks are using Tiny Tiny RSS, which makes me happy mm-hmm. because I think that's a good project, and it was a great Google Reader replacement. Um, use that as well. Uh, you know what jumped out too? What jumped out at me is not as much own cloud as I expected. There is definitely yeah. a fair amount of own cloud representation, but not quite as much. That's just because you know, in my opinion, I've talked about this before. It's a pain in the butt to set up, and then once it does get set up. It's like sometimes it screws up, and maybe that's just the database backend or something. I just honestly don't know. But yeah, there's a lot less own cloud. I see one or two things of own cloud on here, but not much. I like some of these. Uh, some of these guys gave us a total like uh, like a list out of their drives and all that kind of stuff. If you are considering jumping into a server and you want to see some of this stuff, this is a really good resource. We'll have it linked in the show notes. Uh, here's an example of somebody who has a DVR running on Fedora 20, but he's planning to change it to Archie. Says two terabyte hard drive, four gigs of RAM. He's got Myth TV, Subsonic, XBMC, Plex, and of course SSH. So many folks, so many folks using Plex. So many Plex users. Plex seems all, to be very dominant. There's also a lot more Arch than I would have expected. Yes, and you yeah, know that's what? The other thing. A lot more Arch. Almost, almost a majority of Arch, and also a few mentions of FreeBSD in here, and a lot of FreeNAS too. A lot of Arch, a few yep. Ubuntu, a few Debian. Yeah, yep. not much in terms of yeah. So here's a good one. I liked this one. Uh, this guy's got Sab NZB, Couch Potato Plex. He uses a network backup. And then a Git annex, which a Git server is a really good idea. He says, I think the main importance for the NAS will be enough storage, being able to put whatever I would like on there. Um, he says, I do monthly ZFS scrubs. I do snapshots every day uh, with the ZFS tools. And then I use ZFS send to send my data to another storage device in another place which I thought was really good. He said he likes to do R-Syncs for simple backups, Duplicity for Windows duplications, and BUP, B-U-P, one of the best backup utilities out there, which sounds familiar, but I haven't checked it out, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, really cool results. I really liked going through this. Um, and, uh, yeah, like other people have picked up on, uh, Arch really stood out in, in this survey. Arch really stood out. And... I wanted to talk about that a little bit because we just did a we just did an episode about building the ultimate home server on Arch, and uh, before we went on the air, I thought maybe I would get a lot of feedback that I was crazy, I was being too on the edge, I I was using a toy operating system for a serious task, and I was being irresponsible. That's honestly what I th- I kind of projected what I thought if I was looking into what the future what I thought the feedback was going to be, and um. I would say overall, it has been very positive. We had a very good response to Sunday's episode, the ultimate, you know, uh, home server, Arch home server, the, the Arch home server challenge that we did. And um, this the survey results here, which is funny, I didn't I didn't want to look at this before I did the episode because I didn't want to like cheat and like do, oh, that looked cool. I want to do that. I wanted to build the thing I wanted to build and then follow up this on Tuesday. So when I opened this up this morning to look at this, I was kind of floored, and then combined with all of the really positive feedback that we got, and a lot of folks saying, yeah, I run Arch too, that was sort of revealing to me. And I thought, I've been wondering if maybe you and I just sort of happened to serendipitously, and and thanks to the chat room, as as I've been reminded to point out, Uh uh, switched to Arch at sort of a time when Arch is reaching 
sort of amass momentum. And despite I think, I think so. Yeah, and despite how hard the Arch project seems to try to make it hard for people to adopt, it seems to somehow keep happening. And then we just got these results of the 2014 uh, Reddit uh, Linux subreddit. Is that how you – the subreddit for the Linux – r slash whatever. r slash Linux. Yeah, r slash Linux subreddit. Um, and they've done these for a while, but it, a couple of years ago it was taken over by somebody new. And uh, I think he's been doing a good job with this. And so I wanted to cover his results and chat with you guys about this. And, you know, I mean these are just – these were results. They were posted on a subreddit. They made it sticky for a while. Um you know, so I take it for what it is. Uh, they had 10,292 respondents, which is up from 7,698 last year. And the year before that, it was 4,932. So a lot wow. of growth. Um, and it seems our Linux itself has grown a lot in the last year. So you combine the growth of Linux itself with the, with the Linux subreddit and then the fact that the mod stickied it, they had some pretty good results. And so uh, they asked folks, uh, do you use Linux on non-server computers? And, of course, like 96 of the respondents, 96% of the respondents, yes, because they're in the Linux subreddit. Do you use, and then they asked them, do you run Linux on any of your server computers? And uh, 58% of people responded yes. Um, when they asked for fun or profit, for fun, 66% of people, for profit, 27% of people. So that's all kind of interesting. But what I thought really stood out is this next survey question. What Linux distro, distro do you primarily use on your non-server computer? What is the, out of all 10,000 respondents, what is the number one distribution? Arch, not Ubuntu. It's Arch. It's Arch Linux, 64% on the server, 36% on the desktop. Um, overall, wow. I just thought that was pretty standout. And here's a couple of bits of differences. Debian has replaced Linux Mint for position number three. Elementary OS has quickly gained a following, putting it in position number six. Zubuntu has dropped to position number seven after elementary OS. And Crunchbang has risen above Kubuntu and Gentoo for position number eight. And Kubuntu has dropped off the top ten, making it in position 11 now. I don't know about you guys, but my gut, for some reason, gives more credence to this survey than the top ten results on DistroWatch. No disrespect to the DistroWatch folks, but for some reason... Right, well, DistroWatch is based on just clicks on their website. It's very unscientific. Right, right. and this seems like... Uh, I, I mean, I don't have a strong impression of the user base of R Linux, but it seems to be a wide mix. And in fact, if anything, I would have labeled them as anti-Arch Linux, to tell you the truth. I would have said they kind of hate on Arch a lot in the... Uh, no, no, no I, I disagree. I think, I think that they're... I think you're definitely going to have a mix, but I would say they're more anti-Ubuntu. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. To be fair, that's um, true. They're, they're, they're pretty. They're, they're much they're stronger. Like, yeah, yeah. You're know, right. I mean, about I've that seen, now. I've seen like a bigger group of purists for sure, but they're definitely pretty, uh, pretty set in their ways. Yeah. So. Also, they should have looked at the the survey. Should have also included the the basis, so they should tell you, like, elementary OS is based on Ubuntu. So they should point out like how much is oh, being true. used yeah, that's yeah. based on Ubuntu. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. So or, well, Ubuntu then, lost its place because of fragment. Possible. Well, you could possibly, make that same but, argument about uh, Debian, then. Sure, but it's right. more. I think it's there's the the more important part is that they they were they did the survey for like people to fill out the survey like three weeks before Ubuntu released fourteen oh four. Yes, and that would have skewed the, the results massively in that in that way. Well, they should have it should have skewed the results towards Ubuntu because the Ubuntu hype was at an all time high before the fourteen oh four. But people weren't using it. It was asking, "What are you currently using?" People are probably waiting to use it. Well, I. No, I would think they'd be using Ubuntu, don't you think? And don't you Not think more Ubuntu users would be trolling the R Linux subreddit for news about the Ubuntu release than normal? No, there's a lot of people who went from uh, there's people who went from Arch to fourteen oh four and have been using it for a while. There's even a couple of blog posts about it. But well, I know. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's just it's not that that's saying that they it's just the timing was weird. They could have waited a month. I don't and it would know. Be I I think if anything, doing a survey at, at the weeks leading up to the next major release of anything gives more attention to Ubuntu and is I, I, if anything, I think that's actually more of an indictment of the poor showing of Ubuntu. But I could be wrong, or it could mean nothing. <laughs> so, you know, all of this could mean nothing. Let's keep that in mind. Uh, here's, I want a couple more things just, to, just for us to chew on. What Linux distro, distro, I don't know why I can't say that today, do you primarily use on your non-server computers? So this is fun versus profit. 
Number one distribution people use for fun, Arch Linux. (laughs) Wow. So (laughs) no surprise there. When it comes to profit, only 15% of them use Arch, which is not too surprising. Debian does a strong showing at 23%, as does Fedora for profit, 28%. Fedora came in at number two for fun at 71%. Really? Um, wow. Now, okay. what di- what other Linux distro do you use on your non-server computers? Debian played uh, showed very strong here, followed by Ubuntu and Arch Linux. Uh, but through this whole thing, Arch does really good. Now, here's here's an interesting one. Uh, more people using Linux on laptops than on desktops. Not by a huge, huge wow. number, but uh, by... Why, a pretty There's good a problem number. with that 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 number though, because he set it up where it was laptops and tablets are the same answer. Yeah, yeah but who's running who's running I mean, Linux on the tablet? People could be skewed. considering Android or you know a bunch of touch. Yeah, to, yeah. But you know, it does kind of get to the point where I do run Linux on my laptop, but I also run Windows on my gaming desktop for those Windows only right. games right now. Yeah, I think there's mm-hmm. some folks that do that. Uh, uh, so, yeah, Debian, uh, it's interesting, too, for server distributions. Debian was the top, um, followed by Ubuntu, then CentOS, number three, then Arch in number four. Arch Linux in number four, then followed by Red Hat Enterprise Linux. <laughs> no, that's wow. Good. That's, that's got to be because of the that's, demo. That's yeah. got to be the demo. I would think, yeah. yeah. Um, although, just right. because they make the most money doesn't mean they have the largest install base. True. And then which Linux distro do you primarily use? On your server computers, fun versus profit, Debian again is up there. Now, I thought that was kind of funny, too. Uh, they get into the desktop scene, and they ask folks, uh, like, what desktop, what's your favorite Linux GUI? Gnome 3. Really? Gnome wow, 3. Wow, that surprised me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I running Gnome 3 on the Gnomes right now. I actually uh, went and arched it and uh, put, put the uh, Good Gnome man. 3 on it. I am too. Well, I, 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 I have no problem with GNOME yeah, 3. It's just there's been so much hate on it in the past. Yeah, I'm doing GNOME 3 on the Ultra Pro right now, and I love it. It's growing on me. <laughs> I'm actually a big fan of GNOME 3, except, uh, uh, is it Mutter? Yeah, Mutter is the, the, it's not it's not working very well for me, so I've had a few crashes just because of Mutter, and so it maybe it kind of locked me down not being able uh, to use yeah. GNOME 3. Yeah, yeah. But as when I did use it, it's it's pretty awesome. KDE. Are you using ADI? KDE as uh, number two. Oh, uh, go ahead, Daredevil. Make your point. Yeah, that that actually makes me question now that we've been seeing like the Qt and GTK fight going on. Um, if GNOME Shell is GNOME Three is being so successful in right. terms of usage in desktop, wouldn't that mean that kind of GTK Three uh, at least is getting some attention there? Yeah, I mean maybe this momentum will keep them relevant. Um, so what, what do you guys think? What is the most hated Linux graphical environment? Any guesses? Unity. <laughs> Unity by a freaking ginormous margin. Ginormous margin. Which honestly feels a little unfair. In fact, he even points out that the hate for Unity is actually up over previous years. Uh, so uh, Which now is weird, I think it's that, been improved so much. Well, it's imagine kinda... that comes to people, more people being exposed to it now because it's uh, it's in the mainline version. Uh, go ahead, Daredevil. Gnome three is the second most. What I see here is like it seems like the power users have been are the ones that are actually actively in these communities and participating on the votings and stuff. And the result is that those are the users that feel that they got kind of left out. Yeah. In the newest choices, right? And as a result, it goes back to yep, pretty much. Hold on, hold on. You just let me get the bell. Yeah. You just nailed it. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, you got it. And let me tell you something else. I think what this shows you is, and this is my this is just my connection here. But I think one of the reasons why Arch is seeing such strong performance is because it's a great distribution to run GNOME. And what's the number one desktop everybody loves? GNOME. So what do people run on their desktops in this survey? Arch. What's the number one desktop environment they're using? GNOME. So uh, it is interesting that because nobody, even though Fedora does a pretty good job, nobody has gotten off their dumb asses to make a good GNOME 3 implementation so Arch is eating their lunch and the power users. And I think... I think we as Linux users need to change our perspective because we always talk about these magical pony new users who show up from magical land and just want to say, please, sir, give me some Linux, because that's, of course, how new users operate. So we're always talking about these mythical new users. And in reality, it is those of us who've been running Linux for 
over a decade now that are still here, we're still relevant, we're still buying products, and guess what? We like GNOME, we like Arch Linux, because we have evolved our tastes over time. Not all of us, and I'm not disparaging anybody who hasn't, but I think there is a, a vast majority of longtime Linux users who are sick of the distribution crap and politics. They want these kids off their lawn. They just want to get a good damn desktop, use the latest software, and that's what they want to do all day long and let the kids fight it out. They can go do whatever they need to do. And personally, maybe I'm just bringing my own baggage into this, but I think I might be representing a a, a large crowd here, and I think these numbers might back that up. What do you guys think? I don't think it's only your baggage. I mean... when Gnome Shell started coming out, people were bashing at it. I looked at what they were trying to achieve, and it pleased me. I, I didn't like the implementation at the moment, so I didn't jump right right away to using it. But yeah, that's how I definitely. was too. Oh, Crossroads, yeah. Crossroads, do you? Uh, what do you think? Do you think this is uh, me bearing my own baggage? Well, the thing about um, no Gnome Three and Arch is Arch doesn't really. Do a lot. They are, I mean, their whole thing is, you know, upstream and all that kind of stuff. But Fedora really pushes GNOME. Um, a, a great example of this is GNOME Software. Um, still does not run on Arch because Package Kit uh, on an official Arch repos is 0.7.6 and um, GNOME Software requires 0.8.1, I think. Yeah. And um, the, it doesn't build as I, I've tried. I, I, can't, I can't get it to build. Um, and so. Really, it, it, Fedora is pushing GNOME. Fedora is the epitome of GNOME. All right, Colonel Linux, uh, why don't you play devil's advocate for me? So I don't disagree with what you're saying. Yeah, you make a very good point, but what? But taking that attitude of you know we're we're the power users and 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 cater to us. That's great for one desktop, and and we have that. But that I think where these companies like Canonical are coming in, where they're trying to craft the um uh, the unity desktop is we want to f- we want to further we want to spread the idea of linux and and new users are turned off to linux primarily because there's people like us that say well listen i can do everything from the command line and that works <laughs> really really well and it's really really efficient i mean you just talked a couple episodes yeah. ago yeah. about how efficient crazy efficient it is to be able to do things from the command line but that scares new users off right. and so if we yeah. want to reach past 10 percent of the market share we have to create a, a welcoming desktop. I think that's the other side yeah. of the argument, yeah. right? I agree. Yeah, and that, that and that what that what that means is it doesn't minimize the open sources and the Ubuntu's and and the Fedoras and the Mengias and all of these things because they obviously have a role to play in this. But what I think it does mean is there. Uh, I think there has been this group of Linux users who kind of have just been overlooked. Because we're so busy thinking we know what's best for everybody and thinking how we're going to get more users. We're so we're so worried about getting more people using Linux that we kind of just forget about this group who I think is is trying to show their voice in these results. And I, But I, at the same time, doesn't mean you cater exclusively to them. I think that would go I – th- I think that would, that would, that would stagnate the, the adoption of Linux. Absolutely. I agree with you, Noah. Um, all right, Riley, you had, a, you had a point for Unity. I wanted to get to that. Yeah, actually, said Unity is actually almost underrated because, like, the only pe- thing people ever use Unity on is Ubuntu, and people just don't like Ubuntu for whatever other reason. But if you actually tried it on Arch, it's actually pretty awesome. I've been using <laughs> it for like two weeks now, and I can't believe how stable it is. Are you Arch. using the Moo OS, or did you just load it on? No, your... I just did the I did the uh, repo method. And is and it, it is way. it the uh, 1404? Uh... Yeah, it's the same version in 1404. It's got like all the new uh, global menu stuff. All that. Oh, I like that idea. Uh, we should do a poll and find out what uh, desktops the chat room and the uh, and the unplugged there, users use. Now there is a caveat with that though, because Eric installed it. He said uh, this week, and his uh, GTK stuff got messed up on the other desktops. So if you're using, <laughs> if you're gonna use Unity, just use Unity. Don't try to use other stuff with it. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, it, it kind of borked my machine, and I didn't back it up before. So, or that partition anyway so i ended up having to just nuke and pave my arch install <laughs> that kind of applies to ubuntu as well if you use unity just use unity yeah that's true you I know agree. when i loaded lxqt on uh, my ubuntu 1404 install i was a little um bummed because the menus were so jammed full of just all kinds of junk that uh unity kind of does a good job of not 
putting it in your face. But when you go to something that has a more traditional menu structure, oh, it was it, it was like it, I was feeling the presence of Unity and all of the system settings, all of that stuff. But, you know, that's what you get when you install something over a desktop. Uh, so that's that ain't no thing. Uh, you know, I, I should stop and do a spot, but uh, Ick, would you mind going to strawpoll.me? And uh, making a poll of like, just say, what's your desktop environment, and just put like, uh, you know, uh, some of your some of the top ones in there, and get me a link. I'll, in fact, I'll jump down to restricted casting so you guys can come up with the list while I tell you guys about DigitalOcean, another sponsor of Linux Unplugged, and another company that I am very very happy to be a customer of. What is DigitalOcean? Well, DigitalOcean is simple cloud hosting dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up a cloud server. Folks in our audience have been able to get up and running in about 42 seconds, but just, you know, to hedge their bets, DigitalOcean is going to say, yeah, we bet about 55 seconds or so you can get a cloud server that you have root access to spun up, and pricing plans start only $5 per month for 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, which I really love the SSD, that SSD. Mm-hmm. One CPU and a terabyte of transfer. Yes, a terabyte. So for like, you know, a lot of you, that's right there at $5. You'd be surprised at how much machine you can get. Plus, DigitalOcean pairs up with the tier one bandwidth providers and the best data center locations all over the world in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam. And they're always growing. They're always adding. In fact, to that end, they're also hiring. So you might want to go to DigitalOcean.com and click that We're Hiring button and see if there's a job there for you. But while you're there, use our brand new promo. Well, actually, it's not so brand new anymore. It's getting towards the end of May. But let's let's rock May for uh, Linux Unplugged. Use our promo code UNPLUGGEDMAY, and you'll get a $10 credit. That $10 credit will let you try out that $5 rig for two months for absolutely free. DigitalOcean.com, UNPLUGGEDMAY is that promo code. Once you get logged in, go check out that dashboard. Go look at that dashboard and tell me that is not the coolest thing ever. They have managed to wrap around an entire KVM management system that allows you to deploy virtual images around the world to different data centers, take snapshots and backups, manage the DNS, and HTML5 web console. One-click application installs, all riding on top of Linux and KVM through seriously one of the best and most intuitive but yet powerful interfaces I have ever seen. It is worth getting a DigitalOcean account just to see a little bit of masterpiece right there. DigitalOcean.com and use the promo code UNPLUGGEDMAY. And a huge, huge, huge thank you to DigitalOcean. Oh, and also, I was going to mention, go look at their pricing plans. They have hourly pricing. I don't mention that enough. And so if you guys just need to do a little bit of testing, you can go get a DigitalOcean account. Use our promo code UNPLUGGEDMAY. And try the hourly pricing. You will probably be able to run that machine for quite a while with that $10 credit. That is a great way if you just want to run it for a couple of hours. I've got emails from folks that do build projects up there. They do some quick syncing and they shut it down. Uh, Try it out. Try out their hourly pricing. You might find that works really well for you. And also, if you get stuck when you're trying to deploy something, go look at their community section. They've got some really good tutorials that people have written up. Like, here's an example how to use BitTorrent Sync to synchronize directories in Ubuntu 14.04. One of the things I noticed in our survey was a lot of folks who are using cloud hosting are using that now as their own method of backup because it's just a really good way for you to be able to control your data and backup. And there's all kinds of things that are in here. It's not just BitTorrent Sync, of course. There's all kinds of server-side applications. You might need a little help. They've got tons and tons of pages. And they're current and up-to-date because they've got a really passionate community. DigitalOcean.com and use the promo code UNPLUGGEDMAY to get that $10 credit and a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring Linux Unplugged. Loves Woo. it. So uh, I, uh, I'll i jump back in here. How we how we doing? Are we working on the poll? Yeah, we've yeah. got yeah. the poll done. I just okay. have yet to get a link for it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so once you submit it, it'll it'll make a little link that you can copy at the top. You just you can drop off the results, a uh, little uh, slash R. And then tr- tr- toss that in the chat room. We'll have the chat room vote and get an idea of what their poll is. I'll vote, too. Um, and... Uh, We'll put that out there, but I you might have too many options. It's not get letting me. Oh, really? Link. You guys put that? <laughs> What'd you put in there? What are the desktops you put in there? What are they? Oh gosh, we put in uh, GNOME Shell, KD- Unity, KDE, XFCE, LXDE, LXQT, Mate, i3, Awesome, XNomad, Pantheon, Cinnamon, Fluxbox, Openbox, TWM, wow. Window Manager, E17. That's probably the problem. That's and and well, there's a few. Is just the shell. There's a few you can easily take out, like JWM. You can take that out. Yeah. And... You forgot. You forgot red poison. So this is what happens when a committee comes up and with a poll. Yeah, but also some of them you maybe just combine a bunch of the very very similar. Yeah, ones let's into do one that. Option. Yeah, that's yeah. a great idea. 
Um, I think like, the problem is, is there a big difference tiling. between XFCE and LXDE? Yes. Maybe we should just yes. say okay. tiling yes. or uh, something like that. There's not that much of a difference. Tiles. I mean, LXQT right. is not is not even final yet. So Let's that give need to be in there. Daredevilin has something he wants to add to the uh, to the discussion. Let's him go ahead, yeah. Daredevilin. Even though I personally use i3 most of the time and I use GNOME three, um, when I go out in public and if I'm going to a place full of noobs, I go with something more that will be more user friendly to them. Even though my personal preference is i3, um, in that scenario, I think it matches well. And I, I think a lot of, of us kind of do that. Uh, we've seen that uh, at least in the in the, the Linux Fest and stuff like that. People go and use their technical stuff, but when they go into to meet new users, it's just that becomes so simpler to, to show yeah. something off. Look, yeah. look, this I can. Yeah. Uh, all right, so um, I wanted to uh, open up a topic to the uh, to the room here, so now uh, everyone is free to move about the cabin. Uh, one thing I thought would be kind of fun, because we are obviously a bunch of Linux enthusiasts slash advocates. We're always talking about why people should switch to Linux. I also think it's good, though, to be real about it. So that way, uh, because here's the, here's, the, uh, here's the truth, you guys. Here's, there's a lot of people that listen to this show that have a dirty secret. They don't use Linux. They run Windows or Mac or whatever it is. But they listen. They listen to kind of keep their beak wet. They listen to kind of keep their ear to the ground so they know what's going on because they're considering it. And so for these folks, I like to give them the real story. And, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot because in How To Linux, Chase is going to be making the switch. And, you know, I don't want to blow smoke up his butt. I want to be honest. Like when something sucks, it sucks. And I want to be able to say, yeah, man, that doesn't work so well, but don't worry, you can do X. Or, yeah, we're still working on that. That kind of stuff. So, uh, <laughs> puffin in the chat room just came out of the closet. He's on a Mac right now. Uh, yep. <laughs> but I thought, let's talk about um, some, some Linux switching stories or when we convince somebody to switch to Linux and it, it backfired real bad. Because maybe we can learn as a group. I'll start. And then I wanted to toss over to Noah because I know he's done some client deployments, so he probably has a story. But I'll start with mine. My, like, one of my biggest Linux shames, like my big Linux failure, was when I got my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, I believe, uh, switched over to Linux. And it was KDE. This is a long time ago. And I switched her photo manager over from whatever she was using at the time on the Mac. It might have been iPhoto, though I feel like this was pre-iPhoto. It was different enough that when she was organizing her photos, she was permanently moving and deleting them and didn't know that because that's not how it worked in her own program. And she ended up losing a whole bunch of her, her photos. And uh, that was like, you know, at that point we were done. You know, experiment was over, going back to another opera. I can't remember if it was Windows or Wait, what it was. And it was The sad. relationship was done? No, the, the, the switch to <laughs> Linux experiment was done. <laughs> no, no, we're married now. <laughs> so it, I managed to save the relationship. But I don't know if I had pushed that Linux thing. Who knows? <laughs> so that's, that's my failure. You know, I should have I probably thought ahead and thought, yeah, this photo program is going to work different for her. But... Noah, have you been out there? Have you been? To, have you convinced a client or a user or a friend or family member to switch to Linux, only to have it blow up in their face or or your face, as the case might be? Yeah, many. It has. It has blown up. I, I want to give a disclaimer. It has gone the other way many, many, many more times. Nine yes, out of ten times, right, right. when I install Linux for a client. They are much happier, and I lose money. Right, and that's that's ninety percent right. of the way it works. Because they're but, not they're not taking they're not calling you up for support anymore, so you lose money. Right. Yes. Right, but there have been a couple of times. One one that I'll I'll tell you one that's that's comical, and then then a true example of where Linux just failed. Um, the we inst- we had a hotel. It was a complete web based um, system that they used to check people in and out. And so we walked in. They, I said, well, what's the problem? Well, the computer's really slow, and it, it, it takes a long time to boot. Nothing really works right. And I, I mentioned this when, when we were all meeting um, uh, at, uh, at Linux Fest, but I, I have a dirty, uh, a dirty little secret. When I, anytime I try somebody out on Linux for the first time, what I will do is I will use a Samsung 840 SSD. Because when I put that drive oh, into the brilliant. computer, all of a sudden, not only don't they have the junk that comes with Windows, but that SSD just Super flies fast, yeah. right and based next to an actual uh, spinning hard drive, it just seems that much faster. Right. So I put the drive in there and, oh my gosh, the computer's so fast. Everything works. We're so happy. Great. And I leave. The next day I get a call. Um, the computer doesn't work. What oh. do you mean it doesn't work? So I go back over and I look and she goes, well... I don't like – see this, the, the icon has changed. It's no longer the little blue E. How do we get the blue E on there? 
And I said, well, it'll do the same thing. You just click on this. Well, we don't know which one to click on, and all of our staff doesn't know which one to click on. And when you open it, everything works fine. But if anyone closes it, then we don't know how to get back there. So we, I actually ended up downloading the icon file and changing it and renaming it Internet Explorer <laughs> and theming it to look like Windows Internet Explorer just to keep them happy. Oh, man. Now that, oh, wow. It, I don't think that really exemplifies Linux failing. Where Linux actually truly and totally failed me was I had a friend, and she called me. She said, you know, what do you recommend? I'm, my computer's kind of reaching the end of its life. And I, I said, what do you do with it? Well, I get online, and I edit documents, and I do this, and I do that. Okay. So walked her through installing uh, Linux. All of her music would not pull over because oh. she had purchased it in yeah. the uh, whatever Windows uses. I don't even know. But plays however for you sure? purchase it. The plays well, for sure she DRM? Had a, she had a Zune. Okay. So yeah, that whatever it plays for oh, sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. So whatever it is, it doesn't pull into Linux. And <laughs> and it was it was a it was it was one of those things where she'd asked me before, can I move my music collection over? Well of course you can move music. Linux plays music, yeah, no problem, right? Right. No. <laughs> that didn't work. Yeah. And then she goes, Well I can play can I play Netflix? Well we installed the Netflix desktop, but if you don't have a really powerful machine that running all of that the layers that it needs to run, oh, so that jugs. didn't work. Yeah, yeah. And essentially, what what it, what what it all boiled down to was she could edit her Word documents and she could check her email, and that was it. Uh, and we ended up going back to Windows. Oh, yeah. I mean, that you know, like the the WMA, they were probably even WMA files, right? They were. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, WMV, I think. Yeah. So that's. You know, that's a that's a hard thing because uh, that's uh, Angela, my wife's mom, kind of the same situation. Right. They use a computer. They're on a satellite connection. So they, they're basically just downloading a few things, uh, printing off photos and, you know, updating Facebook. But they have bought. I mean, I, I don't want to speak for them, but it's potentially thousands of dollars worth of DRM copyright protected music. And it's just one of those things where I don't have the time to uh, unencumber all of that music for them. Yeah. So they are on like some ancient. It might even be Vista <laughs> installed. Because oh, wow. like, what are you gonna do, right? Uh, all right, yeah. Mumble. Anybody else in the Mumble room want to share like a Linux deployment blew up? I mean, again, like Noah said, of course it generally goes good. Uh, I don't have like a huge detailed one, but uh, essentially, I gave someone Linux because they were tired of Windows, and then they I had to go away for like a couple weeks or so, and while well, the time I got back, they had given up and uh, bought a Mac. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's that's a fail. That was a quick nut punch. Like I was like, I thought you were gonna keep going, and boom, you strike with that. Wow. <laughs> I have a, I have a, I have a one too. Uh, I was going over to a friend of a friend's house. It was late at night. We weren't gonna be there for long, and I see that he's running Ubuntu on his uh, TV, like right in front of his bed. I'm like, oh, cool. cool. Linux, 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 and and then he couldn't get the resolution correct, and I'm like, well, hmm, maybe you should just try updating. Uh-oh. So we do a little uh, sudo apt-get uh-huh. update, sudo apt-get upgrade, and it doesn't boot. And I have to leave pretty soon, and he never talks to me again. No, <laughs> oh, no. that's a bad one. Yeah. Ouch, ouch, ouch. All right. I have, I have one. Go well, ahead. if my microphone works. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we hear so, you. So, Does it? Go ahead, Jack. Yeah. Okay. Actually, I have three stories. Why can I can wrap it up in one? Because it's always the same story for all three cases. Oh, okay. What is it? In the last month, I just can't explain how it happened, but I guess it's a mixture between the XP ending and uh, the always malware um, stuff that happens in Windows systems. Anyway, three guys came to me and asked specifically to install them Linux on their computers. And I must say, they are happy with it. Oh, good. Just happy. Well, that's good. That's great. <laughs> well, good story. Yes, it is. Good and story. I'm still kind of amazed. Yeah. <laughs> I had my dad on it for years and years, and then he ended up wanting a new computer, and the shiny Mac got him. And uh, yeah. we had a couple, we had a little, we had a little bit of a, a mini disaster that kind of pushed him over. And yeah, but my, my worst story is the photo one. All right, we've had... We've had some back and forth, but we do now have the official. Oh, oh you have one, we have one more story before I get to no, the. No, I just wanted to point out yeah. that my story was like a dropping a bomb with a Mac thing, but this was also in like 2005, 2006. So it was it was kind of a mess back then, yeah. anyway. Yeah, mine mine was mine was way mine like was before iTunes was a thing, I think, and before iPhoto was a thing. That's how long ago mine was. But and so like now, I would have her use Darktable or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a really short positive one. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Turns out my 80 year old stepdad actually put Sousa on his box on his own. And it worked. He's happy with it. 
you know, um, and uh, you guys has and I didn't help him. No bearing on the fact that uh, I'm a Linux user now, but my my grandpa on my dad's side of the family, um, he's he's in his 80s and he's got he's his favorite distro is Puppy Linux. That's his he's loved Puppy Linux for years and uh, he thinks it's the, it's the best perfect distro for him and he likes putting on low end hardware. But he's uh, also a big Fedora user and he tries out every Ubuntu release, but he always ends up going back to Fedora. Which I think is hilarious because yeah he's also in his eighties and uh, huh, it's awesome yeah it's just something he's always enjoyed tinkering with and I didn't even know until after I started the Linux Action Show like a couple of years into it uh, it came up like my my dad mentioned to him that I was doing a Linux show and it's like oh you like Linux <laughs> like are you serious you <laughs> like my mind was blown it, my mind was it was like I entered another reality uh, all right so let's, yeah, that's more or less what happened to me as well that's amazing. Uh, here is the uh, we've we've had a few iterations of, it, but here's our latest poll: Which desktop environment do you use? I'm going to vote. We'll also have this in the show notes. We want the download audience to vote too. I'm just curious what you guys use. Uh, so I'm going to vote for GNOME Shell for both of us. Okay, Matt. Okay, sounds good. That sounds like me. All right, so I'm voting, and uh, oh, I guess I already voted on that. Maybe I already voted. Voted. All right, and the results are: Hold on, survey says I think we put straw poll under some load here. Uh, right <laughs> now, GNOME Shell has a healthy 27 percent lead. Followed by KDE with a 22% lead. Uh, sure. Cinnamon coming in at 11%, Unity 9%, XFCE 9%, Mate 7%, and then it kind of trails off from there. This yeah. is almost mirroring exactly what we saw in our Linux. That's wild. And, you know, I've kind of lost my love for Cinnamon. I mean, it's, it was fun for a while, but it just, eh, you know, it, it's kind of like watching the same TV show over and over. After a while, you kind of get bored with it. Well, yeah. But the extensions of Cinnamon are uh, yes. not as good as Gnomes, but they are pretty good. Yeah, they are yeah. pretty good. It got well, my interest. At for a the while. end of the day, for me and Cinnamon, and I, I think it's great in like for a lot of folks who want a classical UI, but brought yeah. a little more into you know the year two thousand and fourteen. Man, does Cinnamon nail that, and it does it really well. For me, the problem is, is I think what you're kind of getting at, Matt, is I'm just kind of done with that. It's the same yeah. thing that eventually kind of wears on me about Mate or Mate. Uh, you know, I've I've played that, I grokked that UI, but I I recognize that the paradigm that was set up. <clears throat> way back in the 80s, <laughs> you know, is due for some refreshing. And I think that's why I like GNOME 3. Um, and and honestly, if I spend enough time configuring my KDE desktop, what I like about KDE, too, is I can make it feel like a more modern operating system, a more modern true. desktop. That's true. I mean, now on some boxes, I still do use XFCE simply because I'm not Resources. in front of them every day. Yeah. And oh, so yeah, I just that. need I need quick access to something. I'm using a launcher anyway, so I don't care. Why run the resources yeah. um, at that point? But yeah. for a daily use situation, yeah, I do prefer GNOME. Uh, go ahead, Riley. I found that like, Cinnamon is for people who don't want like all the unnecessary stuff that KDE has. Like it still has all your extensions, it still has yeah. like your desktop uh, effects and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah, I, agree. I can pretty much uh, Cinnamon, but I mean it's pretty much KDE but on GTK. So mm-hmm. yeah. well, it lacks thirty ways to get to the control panel. I mean, you know, that's kind of a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I would disagree with that, uh, but that's I think uh, Cinnamon's also a good source for people who want a, 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 a full fledged DE but can't you know put they can't devote a lot of resources to it. Because sure. yeah, there's been uh, benchmarks that show that uh, XFCE and, and Cinnamon are very close to about the same resource usage, and that's actually kind of amazing when you can and you think about it came from GNOME. How does uh, how does Cinnamon work when you don't have uh, compositing does it still work okay? No, it it's it's it doesn't work very well. It's yeah. very it's very slow. So, it, it needs a graphics card. It doesn't really matter what kind of graphics right. card. So that would be an area though where XFCE kind of has yeah that yes. leg up and still you're still in a GTK environment. Um, and I right. think an area where LXQT is going to be a strong competitor for XFCE. Um, I wanted to go back to something that uh, Crossroads was going to mention. Go ahead, Crossroads. Okay, so the thing about um, thing about Cinnamon is that. At least when I, uh, but I always thought like, when I was on Unity, I saw Cinnamon. I thought it was great. I thought it was wonderful. Yeah. I really wanted to try it out. I never really got around to it. Ended up using KDE and used a few things, and then I finally installed the Manjaro version of uh, with Cinnamon. Mm-hmm. And I, um, you know, I thought I was going to love it. I thought it was going to be great, and I used it. It was fine, and then I got bored really quickly, and I okay. just it never. I don't know, turn me on. 
I think sometimes, too, because the options are there to tweak with them, you fiddle with them, and then you get bored with fiddling with those options. And, God, this sounds so weird. It, it almost sounds like, uh, what's it called when, like, you get kidnapped and then you uh, relate to your kidnappers? Oh, uh, Stock- something syndrome. Stockholm? Uh, Stockholm. Stockholm, yeah. Stockholm syndrome. I wonder if Gnome gives me Stockholm syndrome a little bit because I'm like, because it doesn't have all these things for me to tweak, although they are tweakable, actually. Like, a lot of stuff is surprisingly tweakable, but because, like, it's not just a right-click, it's not right there, right. I generally just leave it alone. Like, one, I, I essentially, I install GNOME, I spend about 20 minutes getting, like, my theme and my icons and, and fiddling with different things, that, you know, every time I try something new, settling on something, and then I, I generally don't ever change it again, unless a new icon pack comes out that I want to check. Like, right. So, but on KDE, it is a daily occurrence that I'm changing something because it's there. And it's it's just right there, too. It's right-click, boom, there it is. Um, so it's the long and short of it. Lot. If you have uh, any type of obsessive uh, types of personality, that's probably not – because I'm that way, too. Um, you know, I speak from experience. That might not be the best desktop choice for folks like us. I don't know. Now, Lionhead, you just don't get it. I understand. What's your point? Well, I just feel confused when I'm using it. So – I just feel that gnome. X, yeah, uh, so I just feel that XFCE is more streamlined, at least for my kind of workflow. Yeah, and it mm. just works better on the laptop. Or... But at the same time, you can stream it, streamline it whatever way you want too. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, before we think... wrap up, uh, well, go ahead, finish up. Just... You can, let finishing thought. I was just going to say, I, th- I think the the problem with GNOME is that people aren't used aren't used to the paradigm, so they expect something else. Yeah. When if they give it enough time, then GNOME can actually be it can change your 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 preference of the paradigm, and you'll actually like GNOME more than other ones if you just try it. Yep, I agree. I agree. Very good, guys. Well, um, so if you wanted to uh, check out this the home server survey, I would especially if you're going to build a, a home server soon, or you're thinking about it, or you want to figure out how you want to improve yours. Go look at those results. There's some great content that you guys uh, supply, gals, guys, and gals. I say guys universally. It's a unisex term for me. Just disclaimer on that. Um, and then also, uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. I, I decided this week we would do the survey for the feedback. We generally read a few emails on the Linux Unplugged show. For this week, I, I actually ended up replying directly a lot to the emails and didn't really feel like anyone particularly grabbed me that I wanted to pull into the show. But we do love featuring your emails. So go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com, click that contact link, choose Linux Unplugged from the drop-down, and maybe you can kick off our next discussion. I love uh, having a, a, a topic on the show that is sort of inspired by an email that comes in. Maybe not be the main topic, but something we can chew on is always appreciated. So anything in the Linux space that you would love to hear a good discussion on, please send it and ask your question. Don't make it too long so that way we can fit it on air. And uh, you never know. Maybe you will help set the course for the next Linux Unplugged show. And last but not least, we do have this open mumble room from these fine gentlemen that you've been hearing from. And uh, we don't have any ladies that are joining us in the virtual mumble room. So uh, ladies out there, if you'd like to represent the female Linux perspective, we'd love to have you. Just go over to jblive.tv. We do Linux Unplugged live at 2 p.m. Pacific on Tuesday. Just go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get that in your time zone. And when you go to the live page, we have an embedded chat room, and you can join that embedded chat room and hit bang mumble. And when you hit bang mumble, it tells you the mumble server address. Now you might say, Chris, why don't you just say it right now? Well, first of all, dear listener, perhaps it's going to change at some point, and I just want you to stay dynamic. Or maybe, maybe it's a members-only jacket, and the only way you can find out is you come to our chat room and put on the jacket. (laughs) I used to rock one of those so hard back in the day. (laughs) You we should no totally idea. we should totally have a oh, Linux man. unplugged members only jacket. I think that would My actually mom might still have mine. I mean, it's like, geez, <laughs> I think that would actually be particularly kind of cool. I don't I don't think yeah. Teespring is going to be able to hook us up with that though. But that'd be a good one. <laughs> um, all right, is there any other business we should uh, we should cover before we get out of here? Well, you might want to mention that bang is the exclamation mark for people who are on the audio yes. only. Oh what? Oh uh, yeah. Did I mention the bang suggest thing? Even did I even say bang suggest? Uh, not no, bang no, mumble. Not. Bang mumble. Well, oh, not everyone oh. Said oh, yeah. Bang is exclamation mark. Right, yeah. And the other thing, so we have a few commands in the chat room if you join us live. The other one is, is bang suggest where you can help us title it and then we we vote on that shenanigans at the end of the show. That's kind of like the funnest thing we do. All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks everybody for a great show this week. Um, Matt, if all goes as planned, now, you know me, I hate to, uh, I hate to speak for a guest, but if all okay. goes as planned, on Sunday, Jonathan from the Open Shop Project will be joining us to discuss... Open shot where they're at. Give us an update on how that project's doing. So I think that should be a good show. 
Oh, definitely. That should be on Sunday's Linux Action Show. And if it, if that doesn't work out, if Jonathan ends up, you know, right, realizing he's about to come on with a bunch of hooligans like us, then we'll come up with something else great. We just pull it right out of our butts. We just store it all right there. That's... <laughs> oh, he's good to people. I'm sure. Yeah, I know. I know. No, I think I think we're all looking forward to it. All right, Matt. Well, have a great week. I'll see you on Sunday. Okay. See you then. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of Linux Unplugged. See you right back here next Tuesday. Bye bye.